The question is, do I have a God complex? Which makes me wonder if this lawyer has any idea as to the kind of grades one has to receive in college to be accepted at a top medical school. If you have the vaguest clue as to how talented someone has to be to lead a surgical team. I have an MD from Harvard. I am board certified in cardiothoracic medicine and trauma surgery. I have been awarded citations from seven different medical boards in New England, and I am never, ever sick at sea. So I ask you, when someone goes into that chapel and they fall on their knees and they pray to God that their wife doesn't miscarry, or that their daughter doesn't bleed to death, or that their mother doesn't suffer acute neural trauma from post-operative shock, who do you think they're praying to? Now, you go ahead and read your Bible, Dennis, and you go to your church, and with any luck, you might win the annual raffle. But if you're looking for God, he was in operating room number two on November 17th, and he doesn't like to be second-guessed. You ask me if I have a God complex? Let me tell you something. I am God. And this sideshow is over. Welcome to So What's the Problem, where we rewatch a movie from our youth to determine if it's problematic by today's standards. I'm Jen. And I'm Jimmy. Today we'll be talking about Malice, which was released in the US October 1st, 1993, and the UK January 7th, 1997, and Ireland February 11th, 1994. I meant 94 when I said 97. I meant 94. Okay. It was written by Anne Sorkin and... Scott Frank, and directed by Harold Becker. It stars Alec Baldwin, Bill Pullman, Nicole Kidman, Peter Gallagher, Bibi Newworth, Anne Bancroft, and George C. Scott. Jimmy and I have thought of Problems Movie Has, three each, and we'll discuss them. We also will each have a positive for the movie. Um, the synopsis of this movie is a tale about a happily married couple who would like to have children. Tracy teaches art, Andy's a college dean, things are never the same after she is taken to the hospital and operated upon by Jed, a know-all doctor. That's the IMDb one. Okay. The Google, the Google synopsis is a spoiler. <laughs> so, if you haven't seen this movie... Uh, it's one of those movies that's got twists and turns in it. So, you know, if you don't want to be spoiled, don't listen to what I'm going to say now. Um, Tracy leaves her husband, Andy, after she is unable to have children. Later, Andy realises that Tracy, along with his friend, Dr. Jed Hill, has, <laughs> has faked an illness to claim the insurance money. Mm-hmm. What, what you said was the first half of the movie. What I said was the second half of the movie. <laughs> yeah. So, what is... Your history with this movie. I This is the second time I watched it. I watched it in middle school. I must have rented it or something. Although I do, for some reason, this movie makes me think of my aunt's house in Atlanta. So I must have watched it there at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I liked it and watching it a few times back then. And then I never saw it again and until today. And I tried to find a copy. And like about 10 years ago, Dylan and I were watching... Everything Aaron Sorkin wrote in a row, which mm-hmm. is a bad idea since he recycles a lot of lines and stuff and it starts to get repetitive. 
Yep. Malice was the only one we didn't watch because I couldn't, it, the DVD was out of print and was very expensive. It wasn't streaming anywhere, like not even with ads like it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was drunk at a bar a few months ago and talking to somebody about it and went ahead and just looked it up and it was used cheap. I don't know why it was so, I mean, I guess now it's not so expensive because it is streaming. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I bought it. And I was like, I have to wait t- to watch it for the podcast. So it's just been sitting yeah. there for months and I've been waiting to see it. And every time I see this guy at the bar, he's like, have you watched Malice yet? I'm like, nope. Well, now you can say you have. Yes. Even though you were interrupted many times. <laughs> well, and the, the funny thing is, because we were supposed to watch it last week and then we canceled the recording. Mm-hmm. But um, like a day or two before I was going to watch it, I was talking to a completely different person at the bar and they, we were talking about movies and they were like, they, they, they were referencing some movie and they were like, yeah, it's a movie. You probably haven't heard of it, but it's called Malice. And I was like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm like literally watching it in a couple days. Maybe the reason that it's so cheap now is because that nobody remembers it. It just seems to be one of those movies that just sort of disappeared. Yeah. I have always remembered the, the twist at the very end about the boy. That is that is the one that's stuck in my mind. That is the, the only part of this movie that's stuck in my mind uh, since I watched it the first time. I remembered literally nothing. Yeah, I, I, I forgot everything else. I forgot about the rape and murder subplot. I forgot about Tobin Bell being the rapist and murderer. I, I didn't remember the, the awful um, puppet that they used for Dead Gwyneth Paltrow. I didn't remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, and... <laughs> But yeah, I remember the twist at the end. I just want to say it was really weird that scene where Gwyneth Paltrow shows up and it was like, she's always been such a movie star that it's like, it's it's weird to remember a time where she would have just had one scene in a movie yeah. uh, without it being like a cameo. Yeah. Like, I had to start somewhere, everybody. You know no, I, mean? I know. It was just like, I mean, I remembered her like one little moment in Hook, but Steven Spielberg's her godfather, so... I never really thought much about that, but um, yeah, it was really weird seeing her show up and that she wasn't showing up as like a beautiful young student or whatever. Like she looked just like normal, yeah. just like a normal student, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Big baggy jumper on. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Problems. Start. You first. Go. Okay. So one of the first problems I wrote down, well, actually my first note is kind of funny. It's not a problem with the movie, but um. As I told you before we started recording, my kid kept coming in and interrupting me. And at one point, mm-hmm. the first time he came in, I immediately paused it because it was during a sex scene. And the entire time he was talking to me, Nicole Kidman's butt was on the screen. So right. there was that. Anyway, the first problem I wrote down was um, Alec Baldwin walking in on Nicole Kidman in the bathroom. Because, like, why would you think that's okay? But now my problem with it is, why do we have this scene when they're in on it together? Yeah. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense. That's the thing I hate no. about these kinds of movies with like a twist or whatever is sometimes like if it's not well thought out enough, there'll be scenes like that where it's like, why would they be acting like that if like they were alone or they were with their co-conspirator? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. The only thing that makes sense is when he is having sex with that lady upstairs and she is bothered by it because she seems a little jealous. Mm-hmm. That makes sense when you re- when you know the twist. Her not wanting him to stay there mm-hmm. in the house makes sense, but like their re- their interactions with each other don't make sense. That's that is a bit strange because I was watching the trailers of this movie afterwards. So I wanted to see how much they maybe showed in the trailers, mm-hmm. 
Um, and the trailers just focus on that fucking God speech. That's what the trailers focus on. I watched three trailers and they were all that God speech. Yeah, I it, am God. Blah, blah, blah. It's so funny, like, I... Going in to watch this, I didn't remember anything, but I've heard that Godspeed referenced like a million times. Like, that's the yeah. main reason people do remember the movie, and I just did not remember it. And then mm-hmm. when I watched it, I was like, I mean, it's a good monologue, and he's a good actor, but like, I didn't mm-hmm. see why it's become so iconic. Like, it was even referenced on 30 Rock. Um, Is it maybe because of the way he delivers mm-hmm. it? Because it's a bit sort of cheesy and hammy. I mean, it's it, he's great. <laughs> I, I think he plays like sort of smarmy and charming mm-hmm. well. Smar- smarming, smarming. <laughs> um, I think he plays it well. Uh, but yeah, I think the speech is ridiculed at the time. I'm pretty sure. I I think maybe one of the reasons it didn't strike me as good or bad either way is because I know I'm watching an Aaron Sorkin film and he does, he writes so many monologues that like a, a really like a, a, even if it had been an amazing monologue, it's like a good Aaron Sorkin monologue means nothing to me at this point. Like I can appreciate them. Yeah. But like that's what he does, which by the way, so there's TVs at the bar I go to, obviously like there are at every bar and there'll often be movies on it. And if it's like, Endgame or something. I'm cool with it because, like, I know Endgame. Like, it, there's constantly Marvel movies on TV, so they constantly have Marvel movies there, and that's fine. But sometimes there'll be a movie where you're like, I just want to watch this damn movie, but like, they don't have the sound mm-hmm. on. It's just the closed captions, and so you get annoyed because yeah. you can't help but look at the movie, but you'd rather just watch it at home. And the other day, A Few Good Men was on, and it was driving mm. me crazy because I was just like, I just want to watch this movie. Like, I want them to turn the volume up and let me watch the damn movie. But yeah, it did make yeah, me yeah. more excited about watching Malice because I do, as you know, as much as I complain about Aaron Sorkin reusing the same shit over and over again, like, he is one of my favorite writers. Yeah. Ooh, and that reminds me, I did, I didn't look at IMDb trivia, but I did look at the Wikipedia page and I copied down one thing that I liked. Because uh-huh. Aaron Sorkin's known for having kind of a problem writing women. A lot of his female characters can be very problematic. Like, he doesn't always seem to have a great attitude towards them. But on Wikipedia, it said, um, mm-hmm. Aaron Sorkin expressed his disappointment with the film in 2017, saying, Early on in my career, I wrote a movie that I'm not very proud of at all. It just turned into a mess. He recounted how Becker asked Sorkin to write a steamy sex scene between Baldwin and Kidman's character, which he refused. I said, are you out of your mind? First of all, I just did a movie with her husband. And second of all, no, I'm not going to write down what I'd like to see Nicole do and then hand the pages out to the crew and Nicole. The scene was eventually created and filmed without the help of Sorkin. I liked that. Mm-hmm. He was like, I'm not going to like write a sex scene for this woman. Mm-hmm. It's like not necessary. And like the idea that he's a writer that has it is very well aware of the fact that the entire crew and the actress gets this scene and yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I really liked that. Yeah. But do you think he maybe wrote the sex scene with the other women that maybe he didn't know privately? Maybe, maybe. I mean, maybe it is like because he just worked with Tom Cruise. I don't know, but yeah, but he also, I mean, I think he wrote the other scenes thinking of like, what importance they might have for the plot or whatever, whereas he was being asked to write a steamy sex scene for the sake of having a steamy sex scene. Yeah, there's, there was no need for a sex scene between Kidman and Baldwin because we know that they're together. Mm-hmm. I mean, once we find out that they, they, they kiss and Bill Pullman sees them kiss, and that's 
all you really need. Yeah. You know, you don't need anything else. Yeah. So my my first problem is we see Kidman's character as she's um sort of teaching kids at the start of the movie and uh she gets a little bit too close to those children at times. <laughs> um she she's practically doing a Joe Biden impression for those kids. <laughs> but you know, that little girl that's painting. Mm-hmm. But she's also shows that, that she's she's willing to have sex in front of the window where a child can see. Mm-hmm. But then later on, you discover she doesn't give a fuck. She's not caring about kids. She's willing to kill a child. Yeah. But it just seems a bit weird that she's she gets these close to children at the beginning. It's not like she. We're not supposed to know that she is bad, and we're not supposed to. Nobody else is supposed to know that she's bad. So why would she want to risk that? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. risk her ruse that she's watching these kids by being really close to those kids. Well, I don't think anybody would have seen it as a problem at the time, and I think no, because maybe she's nineteen ninety three. Well, because she's female, I don't even know. There's a lot of people who probably wouldn't find a problem with it now. Yeah, probably not. But you know, that, I mean. That's double standards, isn't it? I mean, it's like, yeah, you know, a woman could still be a a sexual offender. So, I mean, she's willing to kill a fucking kid, you know? Mm, Yeah. (laughs) I do like the Baldwin's character. It's like, nope, that's where I'm, Mm -hmm. that's where I'm drawing the line. We'll talk about that more in a few minutes. Cool. But yeah, what's your, what's your second problem? How did she know her husband was sterile? You see, that is a problem I have. My... It's kind of linked to that. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know how she knows. And, and it didn't even occur to me till the very, very end, like when the credits are about to roll. But out of nowhere, I thought, how, how did she know that information? And he didn't. Who was the father of the child then? I don't know. I got the feeling it was a it was another person we don't know. Right. See, that, that doesn't make any sense. She just got around just having sex with people to get pregnant to do this ruse. Yeah, she wants that money. Yeah, but then she must have found out that he was sterile because he didn't know. Yeah, but so, so like, how would she know? Exactly. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I can't answer the question. Like, I, to me, that's ultimately the biggest problem with the movie is that, like, there's it doesn't make sense that she would know that and he wouldn't know that. Yeah, absolutely. And there's no really any way that she could have found out. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's not as though he's went and had sex with anyone else. And... Unless she, like, took a sample of his semen to check it or something. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> but it's not explained. But, yeah, and who is the father of the child? Yeah. Is it supposed to be... It, it couldn't have been Alec Baldwin because he... Well, he, he didn't know that she was pregnant. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. My second problem is Gwyneth Paltrow's shoes. Because they're <laughs> ugly shoes. I didn't. Oh, yeah, I did see that. Yeah, that, it was an ugly shoe. But the, the point of the shoe, you see her and she's sitting and you, she's got her foot up on his desk. Mm-hmm. And it's not like you can see the shoe, but it's not really like the camera doesn't zoom in on it or anything, which is cool. But that shoe is supposed to be recognisable because later on he finds a shoe in the garden and you know that it's her body that's there. Because the dummy that they have <laughs> for Gareth Paltrow doesn't look like Gareth Paltrow. So I'm glad mm-hmm. the shoe was there so you know who it's supposed to be that's dead. But it's still an ugly fucking shoe. But we also don't need the shoe. Like, we could see the shoe. Like, they don't have to have the shoe in a previous scene. We could see her shoe and be like, oh, that must be her shoe. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it's still, I mean. I didn't. Need it. I'm saying that because I didn't notice her shoes in the scene that she had. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you don't. That's why you, you don't need it because not everyone would notice it, mm-hmm. and not everyone would notice the callback to the shoe. But I noticed it because it's an ugly shoe. <laughs> so, what is your uh, next problem? gone back and forth on it so i'm just gonna say real quick this is I, this won't be my official problem but i don't understand why he turned gwyneth paltrow's computer off uh maybe the noise of the screensaver was annoying though. it was just <laughs> that bugged me but anyway yeah uh, my third problem is i'm annoyed that they made me think it was okay to slap a woman right okay. like i think he's perfectly justified in slapping her right there yeah. And I'm kind of glad she, because it's not just that she's saying, let's kill a kid, which honestly, if you seriously say, let's kill a kid, mm-hmm. I'm fine with someone slapping you. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. also like the way she's yelling at him and won't shut up about it. Like, mm-hmm. bitch needed to be slapped. And I hate that. Like, I hate that I was okay with that. And that, it, yeah. like, it wasn't a bad character thing for him. Like, normally, if a man slaps a woman no. in a movie, it's, it's supposed to indicate that there's something wrong with the guy. But it was like, he was the good one in that situation. Yeah, he apologizes as well for her. Yeah, he does. He does. But I was just like, yeah. I'm really thrilled he slapped her, and <laughs> that feels weird. Yeah, she deserved it. <laughs> she did deserve she it. She deserved it. Wants to murder a child. And he went through this whole scheme and everything, but the I just love that he's, hey, just give him the money. And he's like, hey, let's not kill a kid. She's evil, and he's just a bad guy. Yeah, he still has morals. Mm-hmm. He just wants money and her. He, he's, um, he's happy with that. Uh, he doesn't want it to go any further, and he doesn't certainly doesn't want to kill a child. Well, and you have to wonder how much she even gives a shit about him, because mm-hmm. when they talk about the money, she keeps talking about my money. Like, she's like, I don't want to split it three ways. Like, yeah. to her, it's totally separate from the life they're supposed to run off and have together, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, it's a justified slap. Mm-hmm. It's okay for you to, to feel like, you know, Yes, in that moment, <laughs> because she kind of deserved it. Yeah, I, I, I quite liked Baldwin's character in that moment. Mm-hmm. I liked him in that scene, and I knew he was going to get shot. I knew she was going to kill him, mm-hmm. because, you know, he was a loose end, and he wasn't. He didn't want any part in the child murdering. So, my third problem is, it, it kind of goes towards, slightly towards what you were talking about with the, the sperm sterile situation. Uh, the serial killer or serial rapist subplot is my third problem because mm-hmm. it's pointless. I went back and forth on that. It just feels like padding. It's it's only really there to show that he's sterile. Yeah, in a big, big, long roundabout way, but it serves it serves no point at all to anything else in the movie. The only reasons I saw for it to be there, which are kind of flimsy, is. The sterile thing, which they could have found another way to do that. Yeah. It was a reason to have the detective there for the whole movie and, like, showed that he's friendly with her. Yeah, but they could have done that anyway. And then the other thing, which isn't important, but I kind of liked, is that I spent um, the first part of the movie really being like, is Alec Baldwin raping these girls? Like, trying to figure out, like, who the rapist was or whatever. And it's kind of hilarious. I feel like a prank was pulled on me, and I kind of like that. Yeah, because it's Tobin Bell. It's the guy who you see bumping into Gwyneth Paltrow as she leaves the the office. Mm -hmm. Whoopee. And he's a caretaker. I mean, I was watching it, I was like, I forgot about this part of the movie. And then things were coming. I was remembering things in my head about, wait a minute, isn't like there's something to do with Alec Baldwin? And um, isn't uh, Nicole Kidman the bad guy in this? You know, things Mm -hmm. were just slowly. And I was like, 
Nicole Kidman that's doing it. <laughs> but then they start talking about, you know, semen and all that, and it's like, well, okay, but we know it's not, we know it's not him, so why, why is this story still going? Oh, it's Tobin Bell, he's gone, he's, he's, he's been beaten. Now we can, you know, carry on with the movie. Pointless, pointless. It's, it, it's like the movie's trying to be two movies. <laughs> it's trying to be two different movies. When it comes to things like that, I always have two basic theories about what happened, and I usually never have any confirmation about whether or not I'm right. And I've probably mm. talked about this before, but there's the idea that the movie maybe started as one thing and then snowballed into another, and no one went back and noticed that maybe they should have gotten rid of the first stuff, you know? like Yeah. I know that that's happened before where, like... You know, you hear stories about people making a movie and there were scenes that are there because they were supposed to support a previous part of the plot that they got rid of, but then they never got Mm -hmm. rid of the scenes. And then the other thing is thinking about the fact that the director wanted to introduce a a, wanted to have a steamy scene with um, Alec Baldwin and Nicole Kidman. Like there's always Mm -hmm. the chance that Aaron Sorkin turned into script and then they went ahead and changed a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And fucked it up because that happens a lot when there are multiple writers on a movie, um, Mm -hmm. which they aren't always credited. So it says there's two writers for the movie, but who knows? Yeah, no, that's true. Because we were talking about it last time with Cliffhanger. It was a a script and then Sly Stallone came in and wrote another script. Um, He rewrote it, but then his name... The, the original writer's name was kept on. Well, and then even the director came in and changed things. Like, the first scene mm-hmm. in Cliffhanger was supposed to be something completely different, and then the director came in and suggested something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It happens all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's people not getting credited for writing movies all the time. <laughs> it's yeah. Just, you know, and then there's people getting credited and they didn't write a lot of the movie. It's a very strange process, very strange thing. Most of Speed is written by Joss Whedon, and he is not credited. Yeah. Like, enough of it was written that it he has a poster with his name on it, because the first time they did a poster, it had his name there. Like, that's how far they made it, and then they changed it. And um, also with Joss Whedon, uh, Toy Story had 20 writers, but they, only, they, they could only credit four. Yeah. Hollywood's weird. Yeah. The, you never find out about the girl who gets raped at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. You don't find out if she's okay because she lives. They say yeah. that she's alive, but then she's just forgotten about. And why did he escalate to murder? Why did he kill Gwyneth Paltrow? Maybe he really didn't like her shoes. <laughs> I mean, why? <laughs> Maybe he didn't like how annoyed she seemed when they were going through the door at the same time. When because she was Maybe. unnecessarily annoyed at him for being there. Yeah, when it's not like he was like doing anything to her right then. No. Or maybe he meant to kill the second girl and it just didn't didn't work out. Like I think he only kills Paltrow. I don't that I think there's Wasn't there one before the first one in the movie? Was there? Yeah, yeah. I think they mentioned Well I thought uh, she was just raped. I didn't realise she was murdered. I don't I can't remember what they said. Um Yeah. But that also and I'm sure that's just like them not thinking things through. But that also yeah. is true to life because with the um, Golden State Killer, they started out with rape and they moved on to murder. And apparently that's a pretty pretty common thing that someone will start testing out what they can get away with and then they escalate. But it would be nice for someone to say that in the script, in the film. It would be nice for that to be... If you're going to have this storyline, mm-hmm. then have lines like that in it. You know... Talk about it. Talk about the guy. Talk about his escalation 
talk about that because you have a, a, a cop character and all she really does is just annoy Bill Pullman's character <laughs> and accuse him. Well, she doesn't, yeah. she doesn't accuse him, but the, the quote-unquote facts accuse him. But yeah, if you're going to have that storyline, at least fucking talk about it instead mm-hmm. of just someone was raped, someone was raped and murdered. It was this guy at the end. And then we've got another hour of fucking movie to go. It mm-hmm. just it just annoyed me. Yeah, I don't think they actually had what I just said in mind as the reason why he would rape and then murder the next one. But that's in mm. my head. That's how, you know, I like to fill the holes in my head. Yeah, this movie, I, I like this movie, but it is a hot mess. It is a hot mess. I don't mind this movie. Uh, I don't mind it. I don't hate it or anything. I, 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 it was okay. It was fine. But yeah, it is a hot mess. It really is. And it gets a little bit boring towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when she's about to, you think she's going to kill the child, that's when it sort of ramps up. Mm-hmm. Um, we should do more 90s thriller movies like this. Yeah. There's tons of them. We should do more. Well, I used to watch them. So, like, Poison Ivy is always the first one I think of, and we did that. What is your positive? I guess I'll go with the cast. It's a really great cast. Like, I'm going to assume that's why I watched it, because at that age, mm-hmm. I would have been a fan of Bill Pullman. Like, that probably would have been the big draw for me there. But you've got Alec Baldwin, Nicole Kidman, Bill Pullman, uh, Peter Gallagher, which Bill Pullman mm-hmm. and Peter Gallagher were in While You Were Sleeping, which I love, Yeah, which was around the same time, and uh, Baby Newworth, mm-hmm. and even Gwyneth Paltrow in this small role. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. just, it's a really good cast. And it's it makes sense why one why one would want to watch it mm-hmm. just for that cast, but also when people have brought it up to me because it occasionally someone will remember it. They always talk about the cast. Yeah, like that's the thing that everyone remembers beyond just knowing there's a twist. Mm-hmm. So um, I thought they were very good. I enjoyed watching them, and I enjoyed Nicole Kidman's hair. Mm-hmm. I loved it when she had the hair like that. It's the same thing with Carrie Russell. Carrie Russell hasn't been the same to me since she started straightening her hair. <laughs> I wanted hair like that when I was a kid. I can understand why they would want to change it, but that's I wanted Nicole Kidman's hair when I was when I was younger and and kind of now. Yeah. Me too. Um I think <laughs> um the first time I saw Nicole Kidman's hair and obviously Nicole Kidman uh, it was probably in Dead Calm. With um, Sam Neill and Billy Zane. It's an Australian movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's set on a boat. It's like a thriller set on a boat. Okay. And that's, I think, that was one of her earliest movies. So, uh, 1989, I think. Mm-hmm. Anyway. What's your positive? It's, uh, I didn't think it was going to be this, right? Because I knew this was coming. But it's a twist about the boy being blind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. I think that's fantastic twist i knew it was coming but the way mm-hmm. it's played out is still bloody good because mm-hmm. she's getting carted off she's, she thinks she's going to kill this boy and um it's all a ruse and bill pullman and her go crashing through the banister onto the floor mm-hmm. and uh she gets arrested and then she's getting carted into the police car um the boy and her, his mum come out another car and he's got a stick and he's blind and the look in her face how long have they lived next door to these people and never noticed the kid was blind? She only knows that he plays the keyboard at the window. But yeah. I think that's the only time she really bothers about him, mm-hmm. is that. I, but yeah, I understand that, that it is a bit of a, you know, how does she not know? 
live next door to someone, how do you not know? But yeah, mm-hmm. I still think the way they deliver that twist is great. Because <laughs> it's not really done as a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of done as a wah, wah, wah. Yeah, it's just a little moment. Yeah. And it also shows, like, she thinks she's so smart. Like, the whole movie, she thinks she's so smart and she's gotten away with this thing. Mm-hmm. She's not as smart as she thought she was. Bill Pullman outsmarts her. Yeah. And that's, um, it makes me really happy for him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Bill Pullman always sort of played... Like characters like that, mm-hmm. characters that get cucked. But he's uh, he's great. I think he's really good in this. I movie. love Bill Pullman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's he's. I'm reminded that he is a solid actor and a likable mm-hmm. actor. He had a sitcom a while back called Sixteen Hundred Pen that was delightful. He played the president. Ah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I remember. That. I didn't watch it, but I remember it existing. Have you ever seen um, Harper's Island? No. No. That sounds familiar. It's a slasher TV show. Yeah, people. I remember people really talking about how great it was. It's really good. Yeah, it's really good. I, I recommend need to see it. it. I have I have thought about watching it. Um, it's like thirteen episodes, and it's like one story. It's mm-hmm. you know it starts and ends. It's it's uh, it's like a an elongated slasher movie. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, Bill Pullman was supposed to be in that. He was in the original pilot for it. But then I don't know what happened, and he pulled out. Um, and he's there's like pictures of the cast, and you can see Bill Pullman in one of the pictures of the cast. Like mm-hmm. you know how they always when for TV shows they always take pictures of the cast, they're all standing around, yeah, posing or just standing. Mm-hmm. Well, and they'll release those pictures at the upfronts, and you get all excited yeah. about watching a show with someone in it, and then by the time the show comes out, they're not in it, and it's a bummer. Yeah, he was replaced by Harry Hamlin. Okay. Yeah. Nothing against Harry Hamlin, but I would much rather watch Bill Pullman. Yeah, but yeah, I highly recommend it. If you can find it, maybe if, it was released in DVD, so if you can maybe find a cheap DVD for it. I have notes. Mm-hmm. I spotted a, a continuity error, because you know me, I do that sort of thing. Uh, when Baby New Earth is sitting in Bill Pullman's office and she says that they're organising pamphlets, we see her sorting her jacket. She sat there and she moves her jacket like that. She goes like that, moves her jacket, closes it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the long shot of her is her sitting with both her hands on the, the armrests of the chair. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts straight back to the other shot of her and she's holding her jacket again. So that's the continuity here. Okay. The movie using Slave to Love by Brian Ferry and Little Miss Can't Be Wrong by Spin Doctors gives me songs to put in our Spotify playlist <laughs> because I've not been able to do that for the past couple of movies. I don't think I've done that since Beverly Hills Cop. Okay. Yeah, I wrote I wrote this down as a note because I was like, we have to answer this question. Would you <clears throat> give your finger for a million dollars? Yes, I would. Would you? No. No, I would. I would. You kidding me? A million dollars? I would. Take two. Fuck it. Okay, I'll say this. A year ago, my answer might be different because my husband and I, when we were younger, we made a bunch of terrible financial decisions and we just we have a lot of debt. And yeah. when you have a lot of debt, it keeps you from, like, say you have credit card debt. Mm. Like, you're just going to have interest. Like, it's, it's so hard to get it to go away because yeah. you're having to pay so much. Like, um, if you don't have money to pay your taxes immediately... Um, and you pay it later, there's going to be fines, there's going to be int- interest. Like, it's it's mm-hmm. hard to get out of debt. And um, a year ago, I would have said, yeah, because I needed a reset. Like, I needed... Because a million dollars, you're not going to be able to live off that for the rest of your life unless you're really frugal or invest really well. Yeah. Like, maybe maybe I would for five million. But <laughs> for a million, like, I still would need a job at some point. But then we sold our house, and now we can get rid of our debt. Mm-hmm. And that makes me look at it 
a lot differently, that I'm not as desperate as I was a year ago. I still don't care. I'd, I'd still... What do I need? What do I need all these fingers for? Get rid of, get rid of that one. I don't I, care. There, someone up to the knuckle. So what difference does that make? Do you get to choose the finger, or does the person giving you the million dollars choose the finger? Even at that, even if I lose a thumb, what difference does it make? I have another thumb. Yeah, but like I, I'm right-handed. I don't really want to use lose any of my fingers for my right hand. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm right-handed as well. Yeah, I'd probably lie and say I was left-handed and see if they would do that. <laughs> I, although now that I think about it, maybe I would because I know a guy that has a couple of fingers missing mm-hmm. and he gets to make a lot of jokes about it. Yeah. And I love that. I love it when people with something that like other people might stare at or something, when they make jokes and make people uncomfortable about it. Mm-hmm. I would love that. I would love to be able to make people feel uncomfortable about it. I mean, you can survive. You can still have a good life without, you know, a finger on one of your hands. My problem is that a million dollars, like, when you are lucky to have a couple thousand, a million dollars seems like a lot. But when you start doing math on, like, how much you need to live, and then the fact that, like, you would want, you would like to hope that if you're wealthy that you could live a better life, like, go on (laughs) vacations and do all this shit, like, it doesn't seem like as much to me when I, like, really scrutinize it. Well, I think it's different for you being in America than it is for me. Oh, probably. Yeah. I, I, I think I could live for a while with a million. But you're also single too, and I have to think about my husband and kid, right? Absolutely. Like Absolutely. that. That's that's why I suggest you get rid of two fingers. <laughs> then it's two million. Or a toe. <laughs> Ask him how much they would take for a toe. That's got to be good for at least half a million, right? Yeah, you don't need a, you don't need all your toes. No, I'd, I'd, I'd give up a toe. Yeah. I'd give up with it. Yeah, I just, I had to write a paper for one of my classes um, this week, and we were supposed to pick um, a country not in North America to go visit and then plan the trip. Mm-hmm. And so I planned a trip to Paris, and for the three of us, it was going to cost around $10,000. Yeah. And that really bummed me out. And mm-hmm. uh, so I'm just thinking about, like, like I would like to think if I had a million dollars, I could travel a whole lot. But when you really think about it, I couldn't travel mm-hmm. as much as I'm dreaming of, or at least as uh, go to as many like really nice places as I'm dreaming of, because I'm pretty sure ten thousand dollars wasn't exactly like I don't think I was giving us enough money every day. You could go a few, but for a million, you could go quite a few trips, even yeah, with that's um, true. your husband and son. And then, I mean. The only thing it would suck is you still have to keep your job to get, yeah. you know, actual money. Well, if I had a million dollars, I could I could quit my job and I could go to school full time. Mm-hmm. And then when I do go back to work, have a much better job. But then it's also, it's America, so you got to think about healthcare too. Oh, fuck yeah. I don't. I'm fine with that. But the, <laughs> So would you do it for five million then? Oh, yeah. Would five million? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I just, I, I, I have a fear of like, that I'd give up a finger. <laughs> And then we'd somehow manage to go through that million way too fast. Mm-hmm. And then I'm left with no finger and I don't have the money. Yeah. But it's only half a finger. It's probably, it probably would be like five million now anyway, with inflation. Ooh. A million and 93, so. You know I'm going to look that up. <laughs> no, it's not going to be that much with inflation. It's not going to be that much. No. I've used my inflation calculator enough to know that uh, that's not the case. Two million, maybe. If I, I I feel like if I use it just a few more times, I'll be able to just get... Okay, I was going to guess it would be a little over $2 million, mm-hmm. and it's $2,050,584.38. Right. So, yeah, like, I've, I've, I've done this enough that 
I figured out if it's the early 90s, it's usually worth twice as much. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I would do it for 2 million. There's, I don't know. I don't know what it is about a million, but <laughs> I think it's, I think that one time I really thought about it and I really saw how easily I could blow through a million dollars without noticing until it's too late. And oh, you know what? I know what it is. I figured it out. Mm-hmm. The thing that made me think about that was blank check. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Blank check. If you look at the money he spends, if you look at all the things he buys, mm-hmm. I don't think he could pay for all that stuff with just a million dollars. No. I almost picked blank check for the next movie, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's blank check that is that made me really evaluate what a million dollars is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I knew I knew there was something that had made me think about it a lot, and I couldn't remember what it was. Yeah. And because I've seen Blank Check pretty recently. <laughs> All right. I almost picked it. That's a fun movie. Yeah. Um. So my last couple of notes are Andy says he wants the Red Sox to win the series, the World Series, Um. and he has gotten his wish four times since <laughs> 1993. So, and Nicole Kidman's accent slips a few times, mm-hmm. especially when she's shouting. Next week, I have decided we're not doing blank check. We are going to do uh, something that you mentioned last time when we were talking about Cliffhanger. But we're going to do the first movie. We're going to do Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's under 90 minutes long, Jim. Okay. So, yeah, that's what we're doing next because it's streaming here on Netflix and I want to complain about something. So, uh, that's all we have time for. Um, if you'd like to follow the podcast, it's at Drop the Pilot Pod. Uh, UK is a website. Contact ShiftTheBest.co.uk is the email address. Where can people follow you online, Jen? At Pilot Inspectors uh, on Elon Musk's Twitter. Thank you all for listening. We'll speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.